You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by CurioSoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. We have a couple new features that we've added to the site. We now have our own social network, and we also have a wiki. This is a place for you to list your games, your game sites, and even your blogs. So it's a good way to promote yourself. You'll find links to both of these new features on the right side of the IndieGamePod.com website page. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show. With me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Nick Tipping, uh, co-founder of MoonPod, and also artist for the two games we've made, Starscape and Mr. Robot. How did you get into games? Um, I'm, well, really, I'm a child of the 8-bit era, I suppose, so I grew up um, hidden in my bedroom playing games on a Sinclair Spectrum, really, and not being out and about, which I should have been. Um, but um, I, I never really considered a, a career in game games really as an option. Um, you have to sort of understand that uh, the North of England careers advisors, they just basically tell you to get a job in a shop or a factory, or at least at the time that's what they did. So um, I think uh, I, I just it never really occurred to me. Um, so I kind of got into animation. I think a lot of game artists do that actually. Um, and at the time my older brother um, he just started working he bought an Amiga computer and uh, I saved up for I think it was um, over a year in fact uh, to buy a program called Turbo Silver uh, which was a very early 3D rendering package for the Amiga um, I think that cost me £80 which was uh, a small fortune at the time um, and also, um, my father had a, a really old cinema camera. Um, I think he bought it to watch porn in the uh, 60s or something. But uh, it uh, turned out to be really great for making claymation animation, so I was quite into that at the time. Um, and then after that, I kind of uh, I was heading off to university. And I was trying to find something with animation, but... Um, there really wasn't any courses at the time. Funnily enough, the year after I went to university, uh, three courses in the UK started up for computer graphics. Uh, but at the time, there was nothing. Um, so I started uh, doing architecture, actually. And um, I really enjoyed it at the time. I did two years of that. And it was a sandwich course, so you have a year of work as well. And in uh, my year of work, I got a job doing architectural visualisation. Uh, sort of walkthroughs of buildings and so on. And uh, I realised that that was kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to get into computer graphics. So um, I took some time off, um, bought a PC, which I think was a, one of the first Pentiums. I think it was a Pentium 60. Okay. And uh, worked on a portfolio. And I think that took about six months. And uh, the first place I sent a CV and the portfolio to was Gremlin in uh, Sheffield. And uh, they called me up for an interview the next day, and the day after they gave me a job. So, um, so I just went there, uh, and that's basically how I got into the computer games industry. Okay. And what would you say are your favorite games uh, back then? What were your favorite games? Um, what from 
the sort of Spectrum era or from uh, the, the Amiga era, I suppose. Uh, there's just so many, isn't there? Um, uh, well, obviously, uh, the game we've just done, Mr. Robot, um, I was uh, was really inspired by a lot of the old isometric games like uh, Night Law and Alienate. And pretty much anything that Ultimate had done on the Spectrum was great. I mean, I remember going, uh, you know, buying their... I can remember buying their games from... Um, WH Smith was the shop at the time that used to sell uh, games. And... Um, I, you know, I loved all of their stuff. And then uh, when we got an Amiga, there was uh, so many great games on that, that uh, computer, like everything by the Bitmap Brothers, uh, then on to Speedball 2. Um, there's just so many fantastic things on there. Okay. And um, how did you get into the indie game scene? Um, well, at, uh, at Gremlin, I met a guy called Mark Featherstone, and uh, he's, he's now my colleague at Moonpod, and he does all the uh, programming on the games. And uh, it was him who really put the idea on the table. We'd uh, we had, we'd actually started thinking about ideas even back at Gremlin, um, but we never really did much about it. But uh, later on, Mark and I were part of a team that opened a studio for Rage Games in Sheffield. And uh, during that period, we we started putting a few bits of the game together in our spare time. Um, I think I think in the back of Mark's mind, he he was you know thinking. Of taking it further, but it still hadn't really um, clicked for me. Um, but uh, we managed to get a game together we called Star Warrior, uh, which was a basic asteroids clone, uh, but with a shot. It, it was only simple, but I think at that time, you know, we could see that we could do a lot more with it. And um, Rage, when we'd finished our first game for Rage, which was an Xbox game called Gunmetal, um, it looked Rage was looking just at that point like it was going to go into liquidation. Uh, so Mark and myself and another programmer called Darren Griffiths uh, decided it was time to sort of, you know, try and make a go of it. And so we started um, MoonPod. And uh, Rage did go into liquidation, but luckily we got some redundancy money, which we used to uh, finance MoonPod. And also we uh, ran up some credit, several credit cards <laughs> actually in starting the company um, so it, for me it was sort of accidental I mean I think uh, Mark, Mark's really been the driving force be, behind getting uh, Moonpod up and running and um, I, I, at, now I'm fully into it but I think at the time I was kind of along for the ride So, When you first started Moonpod was um, what were you thinking were you thinking about making console games or were you thinking about making PC games or games for the internet um, well, to be honest, I really don't think we we knew what we were doing at the time. Um, we'd just come off console games. In fact, um, the very first version of Starscape, when we finished that, was very much a console game. Um, the, the sort of design ethos behind it was um, there was no mouse control, for instance. Um, you know, there's lots of things that we had to add later on that PC gamers expected. And uh, it, it just seemed... Um, I think I think we were just still in that mindset, so we we really didn't know what we what we were doing. And I think um, Starscape was really the game we learned to do what we we're doing. You know, when we were doing that game, we learned our craft basically of making indie games. Okay, and Starscape was the first game by Moonpod. Yeah, yeah, that came out in I think it was March two thousand and three, which is quite a way back now. So, okay. Um, 
can you walk me through the process of what it took to actually get Starscape out the door? Uh, because it was your first indie development experience, so were there any challenges, any surprises? Um, oddly enough, that game went very, very well, actually. I mean, I, I think we were actually quite surprised how well it went, because we've been used to mainstream development, and um, <laughs> the, the troubles you come across in mainstream development are many. Um, I mean, we, we were laughing, actually, that um, uh, when we released Starscape, out of everybody we knew at Rage Games, we were the only people who'd worked at the same company. Um, so uh, everyone else has been working on lots of games, and you know, hardly anyone had finished a game. Even now, there's people we know who left Rage Games; they've still not finished the games they started then, um, which is getting on for four years ago. Uh, so it went it went quite smoothly, really. I mean, I think Mark basically had a very clear vision of what that game needed to be. Perhaps the only hiccup was we were we were kind of thinking of um, a shop system at first and that kind of really didn't feel like enough and it, it later sort of evolved into a quite complex um, research and development system um, which you know I'm very glad we did because I think that was the main that really was the main selling point of the game. In fact I think if we hadn't have done that, I don't think it would have been as successful, really, as it was. So, so that, that was the only hiccup, but it was kind of a, a managed one. You know, we, we said, do, can we do this? And we, we sort of said, yeah, it'll take two months. So we extended the project. And other than that, it was very smooth, really. Okay. What type of game is it? Starscape um, is a kind of mesh between... Uh, a top-down shooter. I mean, initially you would think it's uh, it looks very much like Asteroids. Um, you start off in a, a very bad little runabout ship with a weedy pea shooter blaster. And um, so on the face of it, it the game looks like uh, an ast a simple Asteroids clone. But it, it goes a little bit, little bit beyond that because um, you're basically thrown into this alien dimension when... Um, an experiment that you're conducting uh, goes wrong and there's a mothership involved called the Aegis and uh, what you can do is you can dock with that ship um, and use gems which you've mined from asteroids to um, research and develop new equipment and all the time you've got uh, you can move around um, a map called the warp map which takes you between various nodes and all the time uh, in the background, there's a, there's a kind of turn-based process going on where the enemy are also building ships and uh, sending them out to attack you. And um, on top of that, again, there's, the world is split into f uh, five zones, each of which have like a boss ship. And the boss ship you have to hunt down by destroying several capital ships and getting clues off them. And... Um, you need to hunt that, that boss ship down basically to stop production in that zone of enemies and basically complete that, that zone and move on to the others. So it's kind of, um, it's quite freeform. It's, it's strange in a way. It's, it's very much like a freeform game except it has a final goal, which is to clear all the nodes and eventually get out of um, this accidental place you've ended up in. When you were developing this and you decided that you wanted to change the gameplay a little... Uh, how did you go about prototyping or experimenting with the gameplay? Did you test it on other people? Did you just see if it was fun uh, for you? 
at the, yeah, mainly it was for us. I think at the time, um, uh, one thing that Starscape did suffer from was there was no beta testing at all on that game. Um, it was basically just us and a few people and actually a friend we um, hired to do the testing. Um, so the entire process was really a bit like a prototype in that um, you were just kind of you know winging it. Um, later on with Mr. Robot, with uh, you know that that game had had a, a very lengthy prototyping phase. I mean that that game actually stretches back almost to the time we were working on Starscape. We were playing around with the the ideas for Mr. Robot, and it also had a quite long beat period. So um, so quite quite different approaches really but the, at the time I don't think there was much else we could do because we, we basically had a limited amount of time to get a game finished and so if we'd have stopped to prototype a game and then make it we just probably wouldn't have finished so um, quite a dangerous way to make a game really but um, it, it did work although um, there were definite problems with the very first version of Starscape that took some time to iron out So you released Starscape in 2003 Yes. Okay. And you mentioned that there were some issues when it first came out. First of all, were you involved in the indie game scene at that time? Were you keeping track of some of the forums that were popping up around that time? Uh, no, we'd we'd really just you know we kind of fell into into doing this. I mean, we didn't. I honestly wish I'd known a lot of the things I know now uh, back then, but we really didn't know what we were doing as far as even getting uh, you know the game to market. Um, but um, I think uh, we'd really just been inspired by seeing a couple of other developers. I think um, Mark had been playing Space Tripper at the time by Pom Pom, and I think that you know, and that just inspired us to think, yeah, you know, someone else can do it, so can we, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I, we really didn't know what we were doing when we started. I think um, we're quite lucky as well in in some of the decisions we made. Um, which allowed us to carry on. I think it quite easily could have gone the other way and uh, basically Moonpod wouldn't exist anymore. But um, it turned out quite well in the end. But uh, really that was just luck. It wasn't through research we had done on forums. When you released it, how did you uh, go about distributing it? Did you go through the internet or did you try to find a publisher? Uh, well, I think in, in the back of our heads we were thinking publishing, uh, you know, budget publishing might be the way to go. Um, mainly because I think we were just of that mindset really coming from the main mainstream industry. And so we set the website up and um, and that really, and that kind of took over really because the problem with the budget scene is it's, it's really, um, it's really a cutthroat business, I think. Um, when Starscape came out, I think we were dealing with about five or six publisher requests a week, and most of them went nowhere. I think um, especially western ones, uh, if you go to Russia and so on, and um, just basically the further east, eastern Europe, um, you can get little deals for uh, publishing deals in the in the budget scene. But um, this, we, we'd really not expected how much the uh, website would be important, and it, it became quite clear early on that it was there was no point really wasting time talking to publishers, uh, and we really needed to concentrate on the website. Although, although um, you know, there were a couple of budget publishers that were really great to us, and, and uh, their money helped out a little bit. You mentioned that there were some issues with the first release. How did mm -hmm. you uh, come upon those issues, and what were they? 
And how did you it, fix that? It, it was mainly um, uh, the second it was on release, you know, things go wrong. Um, as an indie, you, you really have limited resources for testing the game. And um, I, don't, I don't think there's any indie game that's uh, come out that hasn't had a few little minor issues come up. But um, with Starscape, there was a lot of problems. Uh, I mean, most people were expecting mouse control um, from the off. Um, we hadn't... Um, I think we did proofread the game, but um, I think we did it when we'd been out celebrating and we were quite drunk at the time. Plus, we, we hadn't slept in many days, so the game read like... Uh, a few people emailed in thinking we were actually Eastern Europeans or Russians had developed the game and we, we didn't speak very good English. And some people actually emailed in sort of trying to help us, thinking, you know, that we weren't actually English. So that was a bit embarrassing, but... Um, um, what else was there? There was lots of little... Um, just kind of bugs in the gameplay, mainly, and um, sort of uh, problems w which would occur when, you know, if you do a certain thing, it'll mean the game is it gets uh, stopped, basically. But um, oddly enough, I think we were really lucky, actually, in that um, a few people we who bought the game very early on um, they, you know, they're actually still on our forum now, a lot of these people, and they were incredibly helpful to us um, in, in fixing those bugs, really. They, it was almost like, um, a, a, you know, a, a beta test after release, which is a, a little bit embarrassing, but I suppose a lot of PC games end up working that way. <laughs> okay. After you released that and you fixed some of these issues, what were you thinking next? Um, well, I think we were quite stuck really with what to do. Um, we had quite a few ideas and uh, we originally started off making a game called Battlescape and that suffered from a lot of problems really. Uh, namely, to start with, uh, Darren uh, was working on the 3D engine and at the time we only had a 2D engine so it started off um, in 2D but uh, Darren's 3D engine quickly started um, became quite usable so we we switched i mean it's always a bad idea but we switched in mid project to the 3d engine and decided to make the game in 3d so that set us back a bit and um part way in we kind of it, battlescape turned out that we could quite easily have finished by now a very straightforward rts um but we just we didn't want to do that. We wanted uh, we wanted to do something a bit different. We we were aiming to actually try and do um, something which would not. I, th I think most RTSs actually are really they, they like um, mouse-based shoot-ups in an odd way, uh, and we were trying to do something a bit different, which would um, not be about resource management and management and how fast you can click on the screen, and actually be a bit more tactical-based and be quite quick as well, quite, have quite fast battles. And w when we, we really realised we wanted to do that, we, we knew it wouldn't be possible. So we kind of halted development on that game. And then we're kind of rummaging around through all the prototypes we'd, um, we'd been working on. And the one that really stood out was the idea for Mr. Robot. Um, even that though wasn't there were things missing from it, but it was it, at, at that time I think we we were still a bit stuck what we were going to do. So um, I think we just went with that because it was uh, the lesser of evils. Um, but 
we were, you know, that that game was. Um, we really did want to make that game, but we just kept thinking all through it that there was something else it needed to have in it, and um, we just decided to start making it. And you know, thought we'll probably come up with what that is along the way, in the same way we did with Starscape. Uh, again, it's not a great way, I think, to design games, but I think it's worked out well in the end. So, what types of prototypes do you... Uh, you were mentioning that you have that you had prototypes in the works, um, and that kind of led you to Mr. Robot. What's the process for this prototyping? I mean, is it something that you do, like, say, every week, where you'll just prototype ideas that you come up with, or... How does that work? We we try. Um, I mean, it's it's something that always flies out of the window towards the end of uh, development when you're up all hours and you know every you're working every day basically. But um, we try to take every Friday to work on any kind of ideas we've had that are not obvious. Um, sorry, by obvious I mean sometimes sometimes you'll come up with a game idea and you, you don't really need to prototype it it's obvious how it would work there's other games you can compare it to you know you can say it's a bit like this game a certain game with features from another game and it, you know it's it's obvious to everyone who would read that design how it would work but um a lot of the time especially with us actually we tend to come up with ideas that you think i think that's quite fun but i really need to try it out so um, what we try and do is on Fridays we'll um, we'll, we'll always have a, a prototype that is the one we currently w- want to research most and um, on Fridays we'll try and do a bit of work on that and what we usually do is try and actually put the basics of the gameplay together using um, graphics which are boxes and balls or untextured models or so on or sometimes we'll even um, especially if it's a turn based game we sometimes actually plan it out with uh, counters and so on and and kind of you know like a like an actual board game um and we've played through a few ideas like that uh, mark had a quite um basic strategy game where uh, which involved upgrading um kind of giant mechs um in three levels and it was a bit like a kind of simplified chess and we actually you know built all the pieces for that and played that out in uh, on on a board so that's our basic process. I mean, I think that's how a lot of um, mainstream games companies work, at least. You mentioned Friday. Do you do different types of prototypes every Friday, or is it something where you've got a core prototype system, and every Friday you'll kind of play around with it or increment it? Or um, Well, we basically always have um, kind of a project in our minds that we, we need some answers to. Um I mean, the one, the one at the moment that um, we're looking for answers to is um, one out of the... We've two, we have two main ideas that we want to look at next, and one of them is incredibly art-heavy. Um, um, we wouldn't be able to make it, basically. Um, not, not inside probably four years or something. So I'm... Uh, this is not game-related, uh, not uh, game-engine-related, but I'm just prototyping um, like a kind of filled-vector art process which um, I'm hoping will, will look look okay, you know, look quite nice, actually, um, but be quite quick to make things in. Um, so, I mean, if that works and that can prove that I can actually make, you know, art twice as fast and it doesn't look awful, then, uh, then that means that we've answered that question and that design becomes a possibility. Um, other than that, what we tend to do is we'll um, have a... 
you know, a, a game we, we're thinking about, and uh, Mark and I will both concentrate on that and try and um, get some basic systems of it up and running. And we'll use whatever's to hand. We'll use our existing engine, or if we've actually um, done some prototypes in um, other open source engines, um, also because we were trying out those engines as well. But um, that's the basic process. It's really just sort of me messing around with um, with game code and objects, really. When you're when you were working on Mr. Robot, walk walk me through the design process. Walk me through the uh, the challenges or some of the issues that came up while you were working on this project. Right. Um, well, it's kind of a shame Mark isn't here actually because he's a uh, he's really the uh, game designer. Um, let me have a think. Um, I suppose uh, it start. It did start off with uh, with this prototype. Um, so it was initially inspired by. Um, I think I mentioned before that I really used to love um, the classic isometric uh, games like Night Law and Head Over Heels and so on. And so we kind of wanted to do something a bit like that, although not exactly that, because th those games had. I mean, they were really designed to eke out as much gameplay as they could with limited assets. So they made it very. They made them really hard. Um, at the time, you couldn't save a lot of them. Uh, later games got um, a lot better, like Cadaver. I think for the Amiga was a good one. Um, but we've been toying with this kind of prototype, and we, we had like a basic um, room system where you could walk around in a room and drop objects into it and mess around with them. And we, we kind of liked the idea. We, we were actually sort of, um, I think we were quite in love with this idea because it, it's got a kind of nice uh, feel to it. It's not um, a full-on Mario type of game because the camera's fixed, so you've got these little rooms and you can play around with them. And um, the, the prototype was always quite fun to mess around with. Um, but uh, the real problem with it was that uh, it just felt that it needed something a bit different. We didn't want to just make another, not not that anyone really makes them anymore, but an, an isometric um, platform puzzle adventure game, I suppose they are. Um, we didn't really want to make one of these, but again, we kind of, due to, we, we were really kind of keen to get on with another project, so there was something felt right about it. Um, and Mark had basically written out a design doc for it, and uh, he's really the game design guru at Moonpod, and I, I'm just really a sounding board for the ideas that he he um, comes up with for that. Um, so we'd iterated over this uh, game design several times and ironed out any problems we, we had with it, and we were really quite happy with it, um, apart from this one little niggling um, issue that we thought there needed to be something more, but we we, we thought it, we just had this you know feeling that it was going to be okay, so we carried on with that. And quite early, Mark came up with the um, idea of the ghost hacking parts of the game. Um, and what they are is basically the the game takes place on an enormous spaceship, um, but sometimes you need to hack into this virtual computer world. Um, I suppose it's a bit like the Matrix, but it's um, represented as a kind of abstract. RPG battle game, so um, basically you'd uh, come across a door, say, and you'll need to hack into this cyberspace world and um, destroy the uh, computer circuits for that door. And once 
Mark came up with that idea, we we were completely sold on it. We knew that was what it was missing, and um, just uh, that that was uh, where we went from. So I would say probably not uh, again, probably not the best design process. But I think we were always confident we could um, we could add a, you know our own little Moonpod flavour to the um, platform adventure game idea. So while you were developing Mr. Robot, were there any other issues that came up or any other realizations that helped you make a better game? Um, I'm just trying to think. I think that the, apart from um, the ghost hat thing, which was, that was a real, you know, issue for us. Um, I think there were a lot of um, problems early on with just, just the feel of walking around inside um a level. I mean, we kept uh, digging up Mario 64, which is basically the father of all 3D platform games, I suppose. But um, it does everything so well. It's uh, it's embarrassing, really, when you play it, how great it does things. But um, there's little issues uh, that we could we couldn't face in the same way. You know, like uh, Mario basically has a, a line drawn through the middle of him, and if you step off the edge of um, something, you fall straight off. But um, uh, Mr. Robot is uh, is quite a fat little squat character, and so you have to handle, you know, how you fall off things uh, in, a, in a slightly different way. It's actually quite difficult. We went through, it's, it's not something you can t- technically answer. You can't say, you know, if we do this, this will work. You have to keep trying lots of different things and going, oh yeah, that's a bit better but maybe if we try this it'll be better and so on um, so I think the, the feel of just running around inside the uh, the spaceship was quite an, an issue for us early on Did you have any beta testers or any other testing process while you're developing this or was it the same process as your previous game? Uh, no, um, the first time we've really done, as Moonpod at least anyway, we did a lot of beta testing in um, the mainstream industry but uh, the first time we really done a full beta test is for Mr. Robot, and that was at the end of the project. But um, during development, we have three or four people who we'll regularly show regularly show um, in development uh, work to. Part of the problem, though, really with indie games is that they really come together at the last minute. You don't have a lot of time to get everything working early on. I mean. I think one thing we've always uh, really loved is that idea of iterative development. Um, I think they call it something else now. Um, I know know Microsoft Game Studios are into it. I can't remember the exact term, but it's a kind of... You basically make the most simple version of the game that you can um, and keep iterating over it. We really love that idea, but it's not something that's particularly easy to do as an indie game developer, uh, mainly because of time. Um, So what we tend to do is work on small segments of the game, um, and then bring them together towards the end of the, ge- of the game. Your Mr. Robot game, it, was it an isometric engine? or what? It's, it's inspired by um, isometric games, and it actually does look in some respects very much like them, but it is fully 3D. Um, it's, it, if you think of um, the fixed camera view on a room that an isometric adventure traditionally has that's what we've recreated um, uh, I mean for a few reasons oddly enough I mean you don't have to mess around with um, the camera um, I mean we all know how often cameras are 
you know, terrible in games. And so it was, uh, and it, it can be quite a huge part of development, just getting a camera right. So that taking that out of the equation allows us to concentrate just on the gameplay. It simplified development for us. Um, but also we did quite like that. O oddly enough, in um, some early testing, we, we know some people who just can't play... Uh, you know, people who can't play Mario 64, for instance, but because of that fixed camera, they uh, they can um, play play the game. Yeah, I was going to ask: Were you concerned that you'd lose your audience by going 3D? Oh right, um, I don't know really. I think uh, one thing we were always aware of, um, which did come up in Starscape, it's actually it's actually something that kind of really drives me mad because I see it everywhere on the internet. It's um, we do real we do think that there's this kind of um, mentality that's quite prevalent which is that uh, 2D isn't as good as 3D, basically. So, in a way, uh, we weren't too worried about that. We were thinking that um, 3D, you know, would probably be a bigger selling point, and, uh, and that game definitely suits being in 3D better than I think it would done via 2D sprites in an isometric environment. But um, I think our, our, really our concern was that um, we've done, we've got an audience who, like, um, this kind of strategy shoot 'em up we've made with Starscape. Are they going to like? I mean, Mr. Robot. I mean, is anyone going to like it? I think that was our main concern because it's not. I don't think I can name any other platform isometric adventure games that have this RPG element to it. I think someone mentioned uh, Mario RPG actually as having something a bit like that, but I, th I don't oh, yeah. think there's many others. So I think that was our, our main concern. We've got an, an audience who love these, uh, this kind of retro shoot-em-up married to a strategy game. Are they going to like uh, this game? That, that was more of a concern, not the 2D, 3D issue too much. And how long ago did you release this game? Um, about a week ago now, Mr. Robot's been in it. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's... We've literally just dropped it. I think it was... Um, well, we've actually not really had an official launch yet. We're, we're going to do an official launch uh, within a week or so, but it's basically been on sale on our site, uh, but mainly to our existing Starscape customers since um, just before Christmas Day, I think, we finished it. In fact, it might have been, I think, the day before Christmas Eve we finished it. So um, you were mentioning a bit earlier that you had some other game ideas in mind Um have you decided on what game you're going to do next, or what's the process on deciding what you're going to do next? Uh, well, basically, we've always got several prototypes uh, knocking about, and um, it's usually a quite natural process that we'll end up playing some of them. And when that happens, you know, you know that it's, at least you're going to like it, which is at least a good indicator that other people will. Um, so... At the, uh, so what's happened is over. We've, we've still not decided because at the moment we're going to. We've got an update to Starscape to do, and we've got a planned expansion for Mr. Robot to do, and we're also Mr. Robot has a content sharing system and um, and the editor's release. So we want to work on documentation for that and also um, a little a small adventure. I'm just working on an adventure at the moment that um, we'll hopefully release in the month. It'll be like a little free download you can get to play through um, so we've got that at the moment so we've got quite a little you know I think we'll probably be busy for at least the next four months with that if not a bit longer um, so we've got some time to decide what we want to do at the moment 
there's two ideas really that are kind of at the forefront. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to describe them both again. In the same, I think most of our games are actually quite difficult to describe sometimes because they marry often marry two different ideas. Uh, one is a kind of very simple top-down shoot 'em up with um, a kind of mixed into that are very simple uh, casual games um, sorry it sounds terrible my description of it but um, that that has been a lot of fun for us to play um, even with kind of you know graphics that are boxes and discs and so on um, so that's one idea we, we quite I think that's kind of though our full I mean I, I can't really speak for Mark but uh, I think for me it's kind of a fallback idea because the other idea is kind of um, a space exploration game, but um, going back to 2D again, um, with um, kind of tiny little space people. Um, and I think, I'm pretty sure Mark really loves this idea as well. I, I really love this idea, but the problem with it has always been that it's uh, incredibly art heavy. There's just a lot of artwork that would be required to make it. And so that's why, as I mentioned before, I'm prototyping kind of a more simplified 2D art system to say what we did on Starscape. Starscape used fully rendered 3D sprites, whereas this will uh, hopefully use, if it looks okay, um, filled vectors. Um, I, mean, I have no idea at the moment if it will look good. I'm fairly confident I can make it look okay, and that that will be the key to it. If if we look at it and think, you know, that looks pretty nice, um, I think we may go down that direction. Okay. And how long do you expect this upcoming game to take? Like, do you have a time frame for how long games should take now? <laughs> um, that's always a dangerous question. Um, well, Mr. Robot was supposed to take, I think, 18 months. I mean, took close to two and a half years. Um, I think Starscape took an extra three months. Um, we, we're trying to look at um, kind of a year and a half, really. I think a lot of the problems we faced on, Star, on um, Mr. Robot we, uh, were technical, actually, and we wouldn't face them now. So I don't think we've got uh, the same issues. But certainly we're looking at um, probably two to three times what most uh, casual game developers look at. I think most casual game developers, uh, developers look at six to nine months, perhaps. Um, and we tend to look at around the year and a half mark. Going Although back... we often fail. <laughs> okay. Going back to uh, Mr. Robot, you mentioned a content sharing system. Walk me through what that is and what inspired it. Um, well... Basically, with Starscape, one thing we really overlooked was that people really want to mod that game. I mean, uh, even now, I think we get two or three emails a month just with people asking if it's possible to mod it. And um, we've always uh, specifically said we don't want to support modding with Starscape. And it's not because we mean or anything. We're actually quite into the idea of modding games. But with Starscape... Um, it's very much hard-coded. It's not really data-driven. And um, we really didn't expect people to want, you know, to mod it. So we uh, we knew that we wanted to kind of move a bit towards this kind of thing. So um, Mr. Robot's editor, we were always thinking, if that is usable, then, you know, we'll, re we'll release the editor for Mr. Robot. And we've done that with version 1. It's It got 
several bugs which can be worked around. Um, but basically, it does pretty much work, and it's um, there's not a lot you can't do with it that we didn't do. Um, currently, we're just actually working a lot of documentation for it and tutorials and uh, examples as well. Um, so, one thing um, when Mark was looking at um, making an, he wanted to make an auto download system. He realised we could also use that to share um, other ad game ad uh, adventures. We've called them. Um, so what currently what the game can do is we can put uh, user-created adventures on our website and the game can connect to the website automatically and in-game get a list of um, user-created adventures and then you can just click on them, the game downloads and, and then you can play them. Um, that's kind of one side of the equation. Uh, what we want to do in the future is um, either we'll have a kind of form where users can submit adventures or we'll do it in-game. But uh, basically you'll be able to submit an adventure and then there'll be a review panel perhaps of people we'll pick from uh, our forum who will all ch you know download the game and check it and then approve it. And then when that's happened, um, anyone who's got Mr. Robot can click a button and get this list of user-created adventures. So um, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have a couple of adventure authors spring up who will uh, be interested in doing that. It is a lot harder than editing uh, a lot of games, I would have to say. Uh, I mean, I was, I was looking at, um, I briefly looked at Eats, which uses a very similar content sharing system, I think. Um, and I think that they've got a wonderful editor that's ba it's quite foolproof. You can do whatever you want in it. But Mr. Robot's quite complex, so um, you can quite easily break the game by creating rooms that, the, that you know, the game will not like. Um, so there's various issues there. We're, we're hoping to kind of um, build in some more robust um, functionality to the game to support anything you want to do in the editor. But um, at the moment, you can do everything we can do in it. You've got full Lua scripting capabilities. Um, I think really what we're lacking is um, perhaps uh, documentation, really. Is the goal to of this content sharing system to build a bigger community to make the users more, I mean, construct something where they kind of feel more connected to the product? Uh, um, what's, I don't what's think the inspiration? It was, I don't think it was kind of a marketing issue. It was just it was just really that we knew this was something that people wanted. Um, I think we kind of already have quite a good um, forum community. Um, it's not massive, but uh, they've been quite instrumental in uh, in decisions really about uh, updates to Starscape um, and they've been quite supportive actually but one thing they've definitely all been very keen on is the ability to uh, mod games so it was something we wanted to move towards supporting a bit more and I think um, this is basically what we've come up with with Mr. Robot to uh, support that. So you've had uh, Moonpod up for a few years. Are there any yeah. huge nearly uh, four, learning? Pardon me. Yeah, nearly four years. Actually, I think it'll be in March. Okay. Um, so, what have been the biggest learning experiences that you've had since uh, since you first started? I mean, um, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say um, the, the obvious thing is definitely finding out that. Um, there's almost as much work, probably more work, in fact, involved in marketing your game 
uh, after you've finished it. Um, it was really something we had no idea about and we had no idea how much work would be involved. Let's let's talk about marketing. Um, what do you do then to market these things and how do you, uh, like, what have you learned in the whole process? Um, well, before I say anything, I should point out that I think what what we do, I don't, I'm not sure it would work for everyone else. I feel like it's important to say that because I'm not sure, uh, I don't, I don't want certain people who might be pursuing, say, portals to think that, uh, this might work for them because I'm, I'm not sure it would. So, uh, the key really for us has been advertising, um, and basically any other things you can do to, to getting, uh, people to hear about your game, but, but pretty much, um, web-based advertising has uh, been what has saved us. Um, but I'm, pr I'm pretty sure that if you're just doing um, kind of a simple puzzle game, I'm not. Sh I'm pretty sure that that wouldn't work. I think um, it's only worked for us because we've got quite um, a kind of odd product, really, <laughs> that uh, is a little more... Is, it's probably a little deeper than casual, most casual games are. And so it's kind of the project that... Uh, people do want to build a community around, really. I think you need that kind of project for advertising to work. Um, but the, the big problem really has been um, advertising is just, you know, 90% of it just doesn't work, really, at the end of the day. Um, yeah, do, you, do you use Google AdWords or what? No, Google's... <laughs> I think... Um, there's perhaps some return you can get from Google when you've got a much larger site, I, I would say. Um, but mainly it's been uh, just websites or any, anywhere that will take us, really. Um, uh, and the, the real problem ha is, though, that uh, you kind of... It's a bit like mining, I suppose. You mine areas dry. dry. So you, you have to really keep a... I mean, the, the other thing we learned, we, we spent a year and a half, I really think we probably burnt money uh, by not having a tracking system in place that would, uh, not even anything very complicated, it basically tracks, uh, if you've taken an advert, advert out, you need to know if uh, a sale comes from that advert. So you can basically see if um, that advert made, it, made you any money. And we didn't have that for a year and a half. And the second we did that, we um, realised that uh, we were throwing a lot of money away on um, certain sites. Um, and probably also we, re we realised at that point that um, a lot of... Uh, you can only really stay on a site for one or two months. So you're constantly having to find new places and move around and come up with new ideas. Um, and uh, then hopefully you get another product out and the process starts again. Is there anything else besides... Uh straight advertising that you do on the internet? Do you also try to submit reviews? Do you try to get involved in other communities that would benefit from your games? Or, um, Well, uh, I think with Starscape, oddly enough, we, we completely made a mess of that, I think. We didn't submit any kind of press release even with Starscape. What happened with that was that over time, um, people would just contact us saying, we've heard about Starscape it looks like something we'd be interested in looking at. Um, can we do a review of it? And we'd say, yeah, great, you know. Um, I think uh, web reviews can be quite good. I think the, 
the great thing about them is that um, it just increases your traffic a little bit. Uh, we've had the funny thing is that uh, you know the the real thing you want to get when you've come from the main in, mainstream industry is magazine reviews. And um, I think in Starscape's lifetime, it's now had quite a few magazine reviews, but um, that have been fairly favourable as well, actually. Um, but oddly enough, I don't think magazine reviews do that much. I think most of the people who read uh, PC magazines, at least, are more into the cutting-edge uh, PC game. But um, it is always nice to get things like that. Um, I think with Mr. Robot, we, we're gearing up to do a press release, and uh, we've already got a few people who are in touch with us about reviews, but we'll, we'll certainly handle that far better than we did with Starscape. I don't, I don't think we could handle it worse than we did with Starscape, really. Um, and the main thing we've done for supporting the press is really maintaining uh, like a separate part of the site that's got everything they could need on it, a little press zone, really. Um, so if some if a magazine contacts us, then they've got all the kind of high res art and whatever they need to do a, a review. And what about your newsletter? Is that something that you actively use to help market and promote your product? Well, again, the first newsletter we have sent we have sent within the past week, and that has been to all the Starscape customers. Um, and actually, so. I can't really say yet how um, how much of a return we'll get on that, um, but definitely there's. I think most of the people who've been buying uh, Mr. Robot have been previous customers, uh, so far at least. Um, so again, that's something I think we we just didn't even realise would be a good idea. So Starscape has never seen a newsletter go out in its entire lifetime, um, but uh, that's something that we're do we go, we're going to do that a bit more now. Um, again, I, I kind of worry about focusing too much on whether that's a good thing to do for sales. I mean, I don't, I'm sure it is, but I don't think we'd do a newsletter if there wasn't something um, that people would be interested in uh, to hear about. So, um, And also, we've, we've tried to put a lot of things in the newsletter that'll just be fun for people to read anyway. So we've done a little tiny newspaper comic strip of um, from Star, uh, of Starscape characters and things like that. So um, I think the, the main thing is really telling people about new games. And if you when you've not had to get a new game out for well close to four years, um, I'm not sure there's a massive uh, amount of um, <laughs> longevity from constantly mail bombing people. How important are your forums for marketing and promotion? Um, oddly enough, a few people have asked us that because we one one area of the site that gets a lot of traffic is on the forum. We have a, a um, we maintain a developer diary, and um, again, we've actually had a few uh, other indies ask us. You know, has that been a good idea to do that? And um, I don't know. It's hard to say whether there's any kind of financial benefit from it. Um, there's definitely more traffic, but I think most of it is other developers, actually. So probably you're not going to see a lot of sales from it. Um, again, it's um, it's not something we've really ever done for a marketing reason. Uh, we, we just thought it would be really interesting to be completely transparent about, you know, every time you completely mess up and, uh, you know, completely transparent about the game development process. And um, we just thought that, that we'd try doing that for Mr. Robot. Um, and also, 
we kind of do it because it's it's kind of therapeutic to draw a line under the work you've done for that month. Um, I think really the forums and uh, the developer diary as well, uh, they, they're just kind of useful uh, and interesting things for uh, our existing customers and forum members. Um, it's really just kind of a, a gift to the community in a way. Um, I'm not again. I'm not really sure it's worth focusing on that from just a marketing point of view. It might be. I don't know. I've not seen any evidence that um, having a big forum or, or whatever will increase your sales. But I think it's important to stay in touch with the people who've bought your game. It's certainly helped us uh, improve Starscape, and it's already helping us improve Mr. Robot. What percent of your time? would you say is spent on development versus marketing? Um, it's probably about a third of our time is spent marketing. It may be more, actually. In fact, it probably is more. I think we probably each month occupy the time of one person with marketing, uh, but we split that time across um, several people. So... Um, it's a lot more than I would like to do because I really see marketing as a necessary evil. I mean, I, I, talking to marketing people is just—it's just awful. I mean, they're, they're not good people to talk to, um, and uh, it's really a torture for me actually having to do marketing. But uh, you know, you have to do it to stay afloat, basically. So. Um, it's definitely there's a lot more than I think most people a lot more time has to be spent on it than most people realise what would you say are your favourite indie games oh there's, uh, there's been quite a lot actually um, uh, both Pom Poms games uh, rank very highly with uh, both myself and Mark um, especially actually, we both actually prefer Space Tripper to Mutant Storm Mutant Storm's wonderful but we both really love um, Space Tripper um, and also because it, it was, I can't remember the other game actually, funnily enough, um, which was by someone else, but um, Space Tripper was one of the inspirations for us to make uh, games ourselves, so so that has to rank highly. Um, definitely love um, Titan Attacks and Ultratron by Puppy Games. I think uh, he's really got his style of game. Um, sorted out now, and that, I really, uh, I really hope that does well because I think they're they're both really fantastic games from just a purely game uh, play point of view. They've got a beautiful look to them, but the um, the gameplay I think in those both those games um, is absolutely perfect. Um, so they rank very highly. Um, Platypus is a is another game that I've quite enjoyed again because um, I think you've spoken to Anthony before, haven't you? Yeah. Um, Again, because that, because I've also um, got a kind of little history of doing uh, claymation films myself. Nothing impressive, but I just I really enjoyed uh, that game because it's because it was a shoot 'em up, which I love, and also because of the art style. Um, so that was great. Um, Uplink, um, both Mark and I like, although it, it's odd actually that we we both love Uplink more than we do. Darwinia and uh, Defcon, funnily enough, um, but uh, yeah, Uplink's very, uh, very high on our list. And um, from last year, I think uh, Oasis has been um, a, 
quite a good find, I thought, for the, for the indie scene. Okay. And do you have any last words you want to say to the game development community? Um, yeah, really, just good luck to everyone. I mean, uh, it's a really tough industry to work in, and I, I, I don't think anyone does it really, to start with at least, hopefully not, for uh, financial reasons. So, uh, you know, I'm certainly not driving around in an Aston Martin, um, so myself. So I know how hard it can be, um, but I don't think anyone else is catering to, uh, for instance, people like me. I mean, the indie game scene has catered to me more than any than mainstream uh, games companies have done, and um, I've been really glad for that. And I really uh, wish everyone the best of luck because I, I know it's hard. Great. Thank you very much for your time. Take care.